Hi, I'm Ron Coleman, a partner in the Dillon Law Group, social media legend and free speech enthusiast. When I started the Coleman Nation podcast in the spring of 2021, its focus was on free expression and censorship on the internet. But as important as that subject is to me, which is very important, I felt hemmed in in the podcast. I wanted to spend more time talking to the interesting people I've met in my legal and free speech work without feeling a need to have them all make the same point. So I culminated the first series of the podcast and have started the second series. I hope you'll enjoy these conversations as much as I have recording them. Hey, culminators. Thanks for coming once again. This is going to be a fun show because I've got a couple of guys who live and breathe social media. One more notorious than the other, but I think if we give the other one a chance, he's going to, he's, he's going to get in there. He's going to get in there. I have a long relationship, not a deep one, but we have been in touch many times and I've had to turn him down several times because <laughs> he was broke. Uh, Baked Alaska, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Jonet. Gionet? Gionet? Gionet. Hey, how's Gionet. it going? So one Thanks of the three times that I said it, I said it right. Baked Alaska hey. to the whole world. Yes. Who is, uh, you know, a, a, an ex-convict, I might point out. Um, Fresh out of prison. Yes. Guilty, guilty, guilty of, of political <laughs> trespassing. That's right. And the lectern guy. Who is you know he he he's the he's the next base baked Alaska I guess, <laughs> and he preloaded his time in the federal pen. He calls it camp. He went to camp, uh, and I'm gonna and, and you know I think um, a lot of people watching this, and Tim I think you've gone through a lot of changes. You 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 are not the guy I think I even spoke to for you know when we were trying to figure it out. It was three four years ago, uh, or much less you know when you first burst onto the scene. And uh, Adam, I hope you're taking careful notes because Tim has grown, and you don't have to the same make the you don't have to make the same mistakes. Okay, you can learn. You can learn. Yes. Uh, so, t- <laughs> Tim, tell us the story. Tell us. It, 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 I, I'm I'm your your new girlfriend, and 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 ha- how are we going to introduce you to my parents? Um. <clears throat> well, that's a pretty long story, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I I started on the pro Trump scene uh, probably back 2015, 2016. That's where I met Ron and uh, you know many other people, Mike Cernovich, etc. Milo, you know everybody. I I I've worked. Right, you, you were you were really part. You were part of the scene. But when we say the scene, was it? Were you a YouTuber first and then Twitter? Yeah. Yeah, so I I started um, actually making vines. If you remember, oh that. right, uh, oh yes, yeah. vines. I remember yeah. the vines. Yeah, and Elon Musk is talking about bringing it back, which would be amazing. Um, I think they should bring back Periscope, Periscope. as well. So sure. I started out like on Vine. I I kind of went viral on there, and I made some videos with Jake Paul, Logan Paul. I was living in L.A. at the time, and I would make like parody music and funny stuff. And and I then stop. I hold yeah. on a second. What were you doing in life at the time? How were you paying the rent? Um, well, I was sort of working odd jobs. I I, I did a lot of uh, work at record labels. I like got Warner Brothers marketing assistant type stuff, intern work, just music industry. Like I I would manage artists, etc. Okay. Yeah, and, and then I ended up getting a job at BuzzFeed, the you know the great company we all love. But um, I uh, worked at rent. Yeah. I worked at BuzzFeed Motion Pictures as their social media strategist. So I, uh, you know, helped run their social media, their Twitter, Instagram, edited videos, did all that. All right. So, so you, so you had a professional level 
of training for, for, on the job. Yes. Having already been a guy from your generation who's going to be savvy with this stuff, but you you got, you know, pretty much, you know, be, best uh, best of breed, uh, you know, technology and and techniques. So you knew how to make a splash on social media and how to message on social media. And you were in the Trump, in the pro-Trump scene, in that in that murky world of what they called the the alt right in the in the 2015 2016 and you're all, right. you're all everyone knows that you're all racists and Nazis and <laughs> Jew haters, right? And um, now take it back from there, just to give sense people a sense of how a person, you know. I mean, look to this day, no one knows how Cernovich makes a living, <laughs> but right. okay. So, okay. Yeah, no. So, so anyways, well, you know, kind of fast forward, you know, after Buzzfeed, obviously, you know, I, I, um, you know, came out as a Trump supporter, which shouldn't sound that crazy. But at that time I, I wore the red hat to work. Everyone was like, Whoa. And I was just ostracized and pushed out of the company. So I ended up getting a job, uh, being a tour manager for Milo Yiannopoulos and working with Mike and, you know, the rest is history. You know, obviously, like you said, made some mistakes along the way associated with some uh, people I probably shouldn't have. But, um, you know, I've learned a lot of like, like you said before, we don't need lectern guy to make all the same mistakes I made. I, I did that for him. So I, I pretty much made, you know, every mistake in the book. But the good thing is I always got back up and I kept going. And especially with this, you know, federal prison time. Oh, my gosh. Like, I have changed so much in the last few years, just learning to you know, respect everybody and just, you know, understand, have empathy for, you know, people that are different than you and all that. And I, I always have to a degree, but I've just matured a lot more in the last now few you, years. You, ha you had a, you had more of an edge back yeah. in the day, I think. I made uh, some edgy jokes. <laughs> but you, let's face it though. You, you're also a grown up now. I mean, one of the yeah. things that I have, I have, you know, I, I have what I call a, a famous tweet thread, famous meaning in my own mind. And I, I, it's not one of my biggest, but I, I wrote an essay, basically a long thread. I said, hey, I don't really care what are in people's heads as long as they treat me with courtesy. I, I don't really, I don't, I don't care. You don't like Jews. If you like me, you're friendly to me and you keep your, you know, keep your mouth to yourself. It's, you know, be a mensch. If I, if I find out that you're not being nice to other people that that I like that for, for you know for, for the wrong reason, then I don't think we can be friends. But I'm not interested in the person's heart. I'm interested in his conduct and his character is going to come out through the conduct. Not only that, people change, people grow. And if you want to show me a picture from what somebody did when he was in college or when he was 24, or when you know, men mature slowly. Very slow. Slowly. I mean, Somewhat I didn't really slow. learn how to put in a full day. Oh, yeah, I still don't really put in a full day's work, but <laughs> So yeah, I, I completely get that, and and you you know, I, and then one thing you, you know, kind of skipped ahead to was you were one of the early band guys, really. Yes, yes, I was. I was because um, that's, that's why you and I were on the phone so much. Yes, yes, I know. Yeah, we were talking about suing Twitter and all this. And, and, and the fact is, folks, I I did tell him I, that the the fact that he didn't have money would probably be a problem. But I also told him that even if he had the money. I probably couldn't do anything for him because virtually no one has succeeded in a lawsuit against Twitter. There have been a couple of exceptions and it's not really clear what made them so exceptional to me yet at this point. And I have to admit that, but yeah, when we, so what year were you kicked off? And, and exactly, it do you know was, what it was for? Did they even tell you? Uh, so it was 2017 and I, they didn't really tell me, but I remember it was when Trump did the Muslim ban and I was like, 
I agree. We should ban all Muslims from the U.S. Something like that, just kind of funny. And the next thing I know, I get this email. It's like, you have broken laws in Germany. You hate speech laws. I'm like, whoa, the, the United States president said this. I'm just, you know, making a little joke out of this. And next thing I know, I, I tried to log in and it's like, you don't have an account anymore. You're unpersoned. And that, you know, sort of followed suit on many other social medias. Um, thank God for Elon Musk, someone who's reasonable. You know, now I'm back on Twitter. I feel like I have a life again. I'm, you know, I. Yeah, I you were pretty broken. I remember yeah, talking to I was you. off Twitter for five years. Can you believe that? That is amazing. That, you years. know, I'll tell you this much. For, were, you, were you kicked off YouTube also? Yes. Yes. Cool. Are you still off YouTube? Um, I, I am. I have like a clips channel, but that's about it. They um, they haven't seen the light yet over at YouTube. They're still pretty yeah. much committed to. to I hope the all the other socials, yeah, follow suit because I mean, well, here's the thing too. I'm willing to follow the rules if YouTube says, "Hey, these are the rules X, Y, and Z." Fine, I have no problem with rules. The problem I have is that the rules aren't clear and they um, apply them selectively. You see Hassan Piker with a Twitch account and he's saying that we deserve 9-11 and all sorts of crazy stuff, the Young Turks, et cetera. And then Trump supporters are just getting taken out. And, you know, that's a strong theme here with, you know, me and Lectern guy, uh, you know, how we've been treated in federal prison, thrown in solitary confinement, ankle monitor, et cetera. I know we'll get into that, but- We will. All right, so Lectern guy. Yeah. What the hell's a Lectern guy? <laughs> I know what a baked Alaska is a dessert, but a Lectern guy, I never, I was never offered that in even the best restaurant. Yeah, it's definitely a uh, interesting moniker. I didn't get to choose it myself. Uh, in the beginning, initially, I was uh, labeled via Getty because Getty Images took my picture and someone <laughs> read the caption underneath, and there was a <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this is the intelligence spreading intelligence, you know. So um, after it all got figured out, they called me the podium guy because everyone believes what I picked up was a podium, when in fact it is a lectern. A podium is something you stand on. A lectern is something you speak behind. In other words. This is the January 6th podium, or yes, right, a lectern, the, the, this famous picture, which I should have had ready to go, but what the heck, there you are. What a good looking guy with that hat and everything. <laughs> you know, everybody saw that picture, right? Like everybody, that yeah. is infamous. I'm sure you know, but. Uh, so the picture was taken and uh, I left probably after 20 something minutes inside the Capitol. And when I walked back to Georgetown, I was getting uh, recognized on the street. So within two hours, I was wow. already getting recognized on the street. Oh, wow. And yeah. how long did it take for you to get arrested? Was that pretty much instantly? Oh, it was almost immediately. I was doxxed within three or four hours on Twitter. Well, uh, it's a really clear picture. And, you know, you have a distinctive look and you have the hippie haircut and... <laughs> And, and he, he's and walking also, in between the lines. I mean, come on. And also, basically, there's there is kind of like a, a so, practically a sign on your face that says schmuck. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. What were you thinking? What were you freaking thinking? Well, I know. So, yeah, they opened the doors. I know. Yeah, the, the guards walked. But once you start picking up furniture, you've got to start <laughs> thinking. I mean, listen, I, I'm not somebody with no past. OK. I, I had some fun in the day, well before I was, you know, a lawyer, of course. This is when you start thinking this, you just, you just get carried away or what, 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 what were you thinking? 
everyone knows that picking up furniture is like the gateway crime to being a terrorist. <laughs> so, you know, I should, everyone should have known better as soon as I picked it up. Like, this is that guy. But honestly, I was, um, I was in the rotunda and this lectern was sitting underneath some stairs. It wasn't in an office. It was just out in the open. And I thought to myself, man, what a great picture this would make in the middle of the rotunda. So I called it. You know, it did turn out to be a great picture. It really did. <laughs> Who took it? Uh, it was Getty Images. And, right. you know, when you get your picture taken, you smile. So it's when I'm, he was taking my picture and I just I smiled because that's what you do. Now, hold on a second. There was a press photographer in there with you. There were several press photographers. A lot. A lot. In the middle of an armed insurrection, these brave firemen and women <laughs> and others were able to get close to the violent insurrectioners at the risk of their very lives. Yes. They were so petrified that they were actually taking pictures with them. See, and that that's what I ask about is like, why was the New York Times and Getty and AP, why were they allowed to be in there filming? But Baked Alaska, a citizen journalist, I had 20,000 people watching live. Why am I getting arrested for that? Because I didn't attack anybody. I didn't loot. Um, I didn't even pick up a lectern. But I, it, it just makes you wonder, like, like, what is the difference between a citizen journalist live streaming from their phone and the New York Times? I think it's who you vote for. I think I got that one figured out. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's so probably right. What I'm beginning to see here is that Adam is a master of the obvious. And 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 that's there's something to that, by the way. A lot of people ask a lot of questions whose answers should be obvious. Adam, what's your real life about? I mean, you, you don't even have, I mean, you know, uh, Tim, he's a media, he's a social media figure and there's all kinds of, all kinds of um, uh, grifts available to a guy like him. But but how do you make a living at it? What's your real life look like? Well, um, I'm actually a stay-at-home dad. Um, but if you ask the media, the I'm ultimate, unemployed. the ultimate yeah. grift. The, oh, so, so, <laughs> yes. So you're, so you, so you are like Cernovich after all. What do you know? <laughs> well, I have uh, I have five sons, um, ranging from sixteen down to seven. So initially, when yeah, they were younger, four yeah. sons. Four oh, like, yeah, the fifth one was uh, we we were really hoping it would be a girl, but it wasn't. And we just like, all right, that's it. Not the cards for us. Well, I'll tell you a little secret. So I have so far six grandchildren of whom the first four were girls and one of the next two was girls. So I've got five granddaughters, one grandson. God it is not done with you even close. OK, you know, it, and my, of course, my wife. My wife enjoys it tremendously. She has finally people to get little pretty dresses for. Um, and I think actually having granddaughters is immensely easier than having daughters because girls are actually notoriously difficult to raise. They are. My brother just had his first kid and it was a girl, first one out the gate. And I swear to God, I think I spent more money on that little girl, my niece, <laughs> than my kids in the past year. <laughs> so, oh, so, so your wife supports, she, she, she pumps out the babies and then you send her out to the fields. Well, she's a physician. So um, she does, she does. Okay. She's a physician. Mm -hmm. Does and she we... make people in her office wear masks? <laughs> so her office was actually one of the last ones to remove the mask ban. They actually just lifted it two or three weeks ago. Shame and not a single patient there is wearing a mask. Not a single one. I was in court yesterday 
I was in the same courthouse as the Trump uh, 70s, was it? Or was it or was it the 50s? Well, she doesn't even remember, so. Right. Uh, rape trial. And um, our judge, who was a very distinguished judge, and I took her, he did, he, he was very perceptive in our hearing and did all the right things from my point of view, but is a very elderly man. And I get up there and it's a mask courtroom. 2023, <laughs> I'm putting on a mask because Judge Judge Hellerstein, God bless him, he should live long, wants to continue living long. And he's, you know, he has been convinced that lawyers standing at a table 50 feet away from him have to wear mm. masks. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. So sorry. <laughs> so Tim, you got you got scooped up. Yes. Uh, but you didn't without carrying any furniture. Uh, and but you were live streaming. I was live streaming. Yes. So that's a crime against the regime. Yes. Um, like, like like I said before, yeah, it's very weird because there wasn't like I, I, I swear to God, I was in there. I didn't think I was breaking the law. I really didn't. And you could, you know, maybe talk to Adam or other people. I was I walked through an open door, walked. I didn't barge in. I didn't break through a window. No, I the crowd was like pushing me like everyone was just going in this big wave. You're not responsible for any of the many law enforcement deaths that took place on that day, which we hear about no, all the time. There were no law enforcement deaths. Get that day. out of here. What are you, come yeah, on, seriously. please. Well, I'm, well, I no. heard very clearly that there were. No, no, the only people that died that day were Trump supporters. There was Roseanne Boyland, Ashley Babbitt, Kevin Greeson, a couple others, I forget the names, but you can you can look into those. Uh, yeah. check out first, first I'm hearing. Uh, first I'm hearing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And Brian Sicknick, his own family admits he didn't die that day, and it wasn't due to anything on January 6th. He already had some heart condition, etc. No, we know. We know. We know. Listen, no. culmination. <laughs> you already know. Anyone, anyone who's watching at this point, this is gonna be episode number, you know, one something teen, uh, definitely. Uh, they're with me on this. Although we haven't really been doing too much January 6th um, denialism, or I don't know, I don't know what they call it for not buying the official story. Uh, so, so you, and, and, and then, so then you were, so how quickly after the, um, the events, the insurrectionary events were you picked up? Yeah. So um, like I said, you, you don't have to agree with me. You don't have to love me, but I didn't attack anybody. I didn't loot. I didn't break anything. I didn't touch anyone. And I was fist bumping cops inside there, shaking hands, saying, thank you for your service. And they said, we understand why you're here. And I said, if I need to leave, just let me know. And so from a legal standpoint, I'm with the understanding that they need to give you a a legal uh, trespass notice and a reasonable amount of time to leave. So, so they need to say, you know, you're being trespassed. You must leave now or you will be arrested. You've heard it a million times at these uh, rallies or protests or riots or whatever. Um, and, and I filmed a million of them, you know, over the last 10 years. Um, that was never said. We were never told to leave. The only time I was told to leave, I went home and I went back to my hotel and I called my attorney and I had a flight out that next morning and we start to see the TV and it's like, my picture's on there. It's like, baked Alaska, domestic terrorist on the run. I'm like, what? I just did a live stream for 20 minutes. I'm not a terrorist. I didn't attack anybody. What are you talking about? Like, I was there to, you know, peacefully protest and to cover the event. Like, like, how could I not follow the action as a content creator? Um, so he says, hey, if you show up to the airport 
you're probably going to get picked up. Um, there was a sealed indictment, though, so we didn't know. So he hits up the FBI and says, hey, if you have an indictment or a charge, we will self-surrender. We will peacefully surrender. They didn't talk to us. So we're like, we don't know what's going to happen. So I got a rental car. I start driving down. I get to Houston, Texas. I'm at my this hotel. man where this man who was concealing his eyes from our viewers <laughs> who had already been banned from Twitter because of his anti peace and anti uh, government and anti civilization and anti wokeness um, views uh, in the midst of the insurrection. Uh, he's interacting with police officers and discussing the issue of trespass. Nonetheless, he leaves. He knows that he's done something terribly wrong because he speaks to his lawyer. Um, and then his lawyer tries to interrupt the FBI's investigation. And of course, they do not deal with him. He then attempts to escape from Washington, D.C. in a rental car so that, of course, his, his identity could not be traced on the road. Uh, and we continue with the story now. Yes. Yeah. It was like the OJ chase pretty much uh, in the Bronco. But um, so I get to Houston, Texas. And, um, I, I actually woke, I woke up from a knock on my door and it was a hotel employee and they were like, sir, would you like some more towels? I was like, no, I'm good. I shut the door. I was half asleep. And I'm like, I could have sworn that person had like a bulletproof vest under the uniform. <laughs> it, was right. it was, it was an undercover cop. Um, and then I go down to my parking garage. They are watching me. I turn around the corner, 20 us marshals with guns out, get on the ground. Whoa, whoa. I get thrown on the ground, you know, arrested, thrown in, um, you know, federal detention center in Houston, Texas, Joe Corley, it was called. And uh, I was there for five days. They threw me in solitary confinement. Um, luckily, and, you know, look, I got it better than some people. I also got it worse than some people. Some people got off with just probation. People ask, you know, why did you just get 60 days sentence? And I, I know Adam got 75 days. I don't really know. You know, there's, not a lot of rhyme or reason to it. You get different judges. You get all sorts of different magistrates. You, um, If you were in different areas, so they said if you went in the Holy of Holies where the shaman went, they're like, oh, that's like a you know, much higher charge. I was just in the hallways, probably where Adam was. You know, So th there was different degrees of charges, I guess. But long story short, you know, I was able to get out on bail, but I had to have an ankle monitor for 90 days for a nonviolent misdemeanor, an ankle monitor, and I was on house arrest for 90 days. Finally, I got that off, went through pretrial probation for two years, 60 days in federal prison, FCI Miami, low security. They 16 days in the hole. And then I got out and now I'm on a two year federal probation. I don't get time served for that pretrial probation. So it's almost like four years. So that's basically what happened. My life has been insane. My mom got subpoenaed by the January 6th commission and we spent, probably close to 200,000 plus in legal fees. So it's, it's been quite the experience. And let's face it. Best thing that ever happened to you. Tell me three reasons why. And I hope that my reason isn't number four. You better nail number. You better well, nail my reason. I hope so. Well, I am glad this whole experience happened to me. Um, one, because it helped me grow up and become a better person. And two, I'm able to use my story to inspire people. Also three, um, 
I got my Twitter back. So I hope your reason was there. Yeah, well, pretty close. I mean, I think you're going to get your, your Twitter back anyway. I think, I'm, but but I'll I'll call this three A. But I think it's really four. You're back on the map. You're back on the map. Like, well, there you, we go. Be, you became yeah. more interesting. But first, I mean, listen. You also the you, you have street cred. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've spoken to uh, you and I. Uh, a lot of the lawyers. I, I know that you know a lot of the guys who are representing January six people, hmm. and uh, you know that I know a lot of them. Um, and some of them, you know, are of the opinion that this was a, you know, completely, a, it was completely a, a you know, a, a racket and, and it was completely garbage. But most of them think, you know, something went very wrong and, you know, did the government induce it? Did the government allow it to happen? Yes. But these, these guys shouldn't have done it. They should have known better. There was certainly the... There is real footage of real violence, and it isn't all Ray Epps's fault. It isn't all Ray Epps's fault. Right. And let's stick a pin in that because we got to talk about you and Ray sure. Epps. Yep. Um, but you were there. You were taking. You you know you were taking video. How would people watch your video back when you were off YouTube and you were off uh, Twitter? What were what platforms were you using? Yeah. So at the time, I was streaming on DLive.tv. It was oh. like an alternative site, and you couldn't get banned now. I stream on cozy.tv and kick.com. Uh, I also have a rumble channel. So like people got to understand now, uh, you know, people have it pretty good back in like the old Trump days. There were, you know, there were no alternatives. So um, luckily we do have, you know, alt tech. I just started like a locals and we, you know, we have all this different uh, stuff coming out, which, which is fantastic. But yeah, at the time I was uh, streaming on D live. Now um, you basically broke the Ray Epps story, didn't you? Yes. Yes, I did. Um, I'm going to say it because you said yeah. it, so I'm trusting you. Yeah. You've, no, never, for... you've never lied to me to my knowledge. Right. Yeah. So I am the man who exposed Ray Epps, 100%. I actually just uh, wrapped a documentary with uh, Lara Logan, which is going to be coming out uh, from 60 Minutes. So uh, she's independent now. It's going to be really good. We filmed it in Miami. Um, awesome. But yes, so the footage, so I'm the guy who started the chant straight to Ray Epps' face. I said, Fed, Fed, Fed. And you can see that footage has been played millions of times on Tucker, Fox News, et cetera. Um, and, and that's all my footage. Um, there, I think there's some other angles. I think some other people were there, but the main angle is my footage. You can see my chat. And um, I, I was talking to Lara about it. I, I don't want to say everything, but um, it was crazy. A year later is when it went viral. When I first um, uncovered that story, nobody cared about it because everything, I, I guess everything hadn't come out yet. But um, that was January 5th, the day before January 6th. And this guy who happens to be from the same um, spot hey, that- Tim, let oh, me, let's, let's, let's show it. Yep, go ahead. Walk down to the Capitol. While President Trump was still speaking at the Olympics, Ray Epps walked toward the cabinet. He told us he wanted to be up front to help keep the peace. What happened next at Peace Circle, where protesters first overran police, the scene overran. of the gun. Epps pulled this agitated rioter aside and said something. Conspiracies say he was giving marching orders because seconds later, this happened. Well, those cops look like they're really pushing back hard, huh? <laughs> right. Oh, I have fallen. 
What exactly did you say to him? Dude, we're not here for that. <laughs> right. Anyone from the federal government direct you to be here? I thought this was the circle at this time. No. Although, oh, what they're calling the smoking. What they're calling the smoking gun is is the uh, the wisp the whisper. Okay, I'm I'm gonna find the Fed Fed video. It's 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 on sixty minutes for sure. The smoking gun might also be the messages he sent to his what to his son. Yeah, I was right? there. Yeah. Well, no, he said that. Um, so the text messages came out through a subpoena. He said I pretty much orchestrated the whole thing. Right. He said that he literally <laughs> bragged to his son. So it's like. And then also January 5th, he says, I'm probably going to go to jail for this, but we need to go into the Capitol. And like nobody had ever heard that. This is a day before Adam can tell you nobody knew that somehow everyone was going to end up in the Capitol. And he knew it was criminal activity because he said that he'd probably go to jail. So. All right. Let me try this video. You okay. see, guys, you guys, everyone now knows just how much awesome pre-production I do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That that has some of the clips in there. For sure. Ding. Wasn't affected by the Democrats, by Liz Cheney, except for one person. You know who that was? Ray Epps. to the idea of the, the red MAGA hat. Being magic really is just God's will. All right. I mean, I can only rip off someone else's podcast so much. <laughs> right. All right. So that's that's the that's the footage. Yes. And uh, everyone, even 60, 60 Minutes talks about you breaking this story, talks about your role in it. Oh, no, no. A lot of, of course not. I oh. will. Well, speaking of legal, you know, I, I actually had to hit up my copyright attorney because um, they did not give me permission. No credit. My name's not on the screen. They used my footage without permission. So I don't know if there's something there because, you know, maybe it's fair use. I, I don't really know. But um, but that's the thing. A lot of people try to exclude me from the story. Um, it I am credited in some, I think, Washington Post. Some Some of them got it right. Uh, revolver news, but um, you know, I am I'm a very controversial figure. I'm banned from a lot of things, so a lot of people like to pretend that I'm not part of it, even though the Ray Epps story doesn't exist without Baked Alaska. It doesn't exist without my footage or me calling him a Fed and getting the uh, crowd to join in. I'm not saying I'm you know the only person that noticed him. Obviously, the crowd joined in with me in unison there. Um, but you know, I just think we should look into things like this because. How did this guy have prior knowledge? Also, I talk about in the documentary coming out, I got a visit. Well, they tried to visit me. The FBI came to Queen Creek, Arizona, where I was living on January 5th, said they wanted to meet with me. I said no, and they were in the same city that uh, Ray Epps lived in. He lived in Queen Creek as well. 
and it, and he kept following me around and it, it was weird. Really? Yes. Yeah, someone. Really? Yes. Yeah, someone uncovered a clip of Ray Epps um, coming up to me at a rap, a, a Trump stop the seal rally in Phoenix, Arizona months prior. And he was like, Hey dude. And he like said something to me. So we're like, what is going on with this guy? So listen, I don't know for certain allegedly, you know, it, it, it's a claim you know, I, that's my opinion. I think he probably is a Fed. Also, why was he taken off the FBI's most wanted list? And why is New York Times, et cetera, running puff pieces on this guy defending him? They don't defend a single Trump supporter from that day. You know, Adam will tell you, they don't defend us. Come on. But they're defending the guy that said, go into the Capitol. I'm going to go to jail for this. And the FBI takes him off the watch list when people like Brandon Straka, Coy Griffin, etc. There's many people that were arrested that never even went in the Capitol, that didn't even do anything. So I just think, I don't know, it stinks to high heaven. And I think, you know, absolutely, we should investigate this. Also, like we said earlier, the text messages that were subpoenaed, he said, you know, I pretty much orchestrated this thing. You don't just say that to your son. Like, that's that's a big claim. And then, of course, he just writes everything off and says, oh, well, I didn't mean that but they're not extending these uh, graces to all the other Trump supporters. Why is he seem to be the exception at, at every single turn? That, that's what I'm asking. That's what you're asking, but 60 Minutes doesn't seem to be asking it. No. Well, yeah. And also, why didn't 60 Minutes interview me and get both sides of it, since, especially since it's my footage and my interaction? You know, I, I don't really know. But, uh, you know, God bless Darren Beatty and Revolver News and, you know, Tucker, a lot of people that have been covering that story. I, I think... You know, without the Ray Epps story, there's not really a direct link to the government involvement. I know there's been almost like 50 unmasked uh, federal informants um, that were in the crowd. They've admitted now, which is crazy. But, you know, the, the Ray Epps story has really, you know, brought the narrative forward. I don't think there's a debate that they wanted this to happen. I think that debate's already been resolved and settled. The fact that the J6 committee just said, oh, no, he's completely fine after after what? An hour or two of discussion. I mean, and we had we have oh, so Nancy, much evidence suggesting. And, and, sorry, and go the, ahead. And Nancy Pelosi and the and the Capitol Police. Uh, you know, well, Pelosi's daughter reached out to me to be a part of her uh, her documentary she's doing. She's been doing this for about eight or nine months now, trying to get a hold of my attorneys to come speak for her documentary. And there's video of her now being inside with her mom during this whole thing. It's it's all orchestrated. But there's there's no way I'm doing her documentary. I did give her a caveat. I did say, if you can convince your mom to have a beer with me and have a photo op. <laughs> oh, wow. I'll come to your documentary. Yeah, the, you know, the problem is she'll, Nancy will drink you under the table. I'm Irish. We'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> I just want some good stock tips. Oh, gosh. <laughs> True. He's got, Tim, you know, this guy's got the, he's got the stuff. He's yeah, not no, I, I like, it's weird. I So I didn't know Lectern guy until like, a few weeks ago, we didn't know each other. Like I knew who he was. And then like out of nowhere, we start uh, talking on Twitter and we just hit it off. We're kindred spirits and all that. But I love the photo of him smiling because I think people underestimate what that did because while CNN is running this narrative saying exactly oh, these evil domestic terrorists, then you got this guy walking in between the lines. He's got this huge smile on his face. You're like, how could you hate this guy? So I love that was great optics, you know, and and also the, the crazy thing, too, is we had just gotten off about six months 
of BLM and Antifa burning down our cities and charges are getting dropped or they're not getting prosecuted. The media is covering for them saying, oh, it's mostly peaceful while there's a you know fire in the background. So it's just, in, and then you see you know the Trump crowd, you see love, you see smiles. And like you said before, yes, were there people in the crowd that did unlawful things that were wrong? Yes, 100%. I, I never said there weren't. But in my experience, it was mostly peaceful. And the cops also were agitating the crowd constantly. And, and there was just, it was just a whole mess. Um, of, Correct I think me if happened. I'm wrong here, but 95% of the people that I saw inside were nonviolence. Yes. Um, I was up by the doors in Ashley Babbitt's group towards the very end. And mm -hmm. uh, from the front of the crowd, the person was saying, we're going to go inside. We're going to be peaceful. We're going to sit down. And when they count the votes, we're going to object. This was the temperament of the people that were inside the building. And we're okay. being treated worse than the people that were outside the building. Yep. You know, the ones that were actually partaking in violence. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Um, I, I was, I tell people this and I have footage of it. Like I said, I was inside hugging Trump support. It, it, it was, there was so much love and like, I didn't see inside, I didn't see anyone, uh, you know, saying, hey, let's, you know, be violent or anything like that. And you're right. Most of it was outside people hitting the windows and stuff like that. Um, the only I mean, cop that, that I interacted That was asinine. I mean, that was ridiculous. That was utterly inexcusable. Yeah. You know, I mean, you got to know at that point, it's one thing to pick up a, you know, an, an extra, you know, it probably was shoved under under the, the, um, the staircase because they they use it for photo ops. That's what it's, you know, press, press conferences. Um, but it wasn't, a, it's a long way between there and breaking windows in the Capitol. And, and you know, and, and I mean, look, this seems like an obvious question, but why do you guys think that they wanted this to happen? <laughs> I think anything they can do to villainize uh, the America First Party I think it really comes down to that. The America First Party is is different. I was not a political person ever in my life. Didn't vote for Trump in 16. Uh, and I just thought, you know, there's no such thing as politics. It's just a uniparty, you know, fake arguing with each other, but going getting beers afterwards. And then I saw what happened in between 16 and 20. And I said, man, maybe there actually is some credibility to the voting system. Maybe there is a way we can actually change things. The America First Party scooped up independence. Uh, libertarians and started representing, I think, what America as a whole wanted, secure borders, affordable housing, good jobs, cheap gas, affordable groceries, uh, no foreign wars that we have no business being involved in. This is what I think this was the spark people wanted. And I think most people have that opinion. If Trump got off his Twitter, you know, it's he'd be the perfect president, you know. But that's I just think anything to demonize us, because the voice of the center, which I believe is the America First Party, we want the system to return to its to its glory. We want it to become the America that we want to raise our children in. And I'm looking at the elections now, and I tell everyone my my takeaway is always this: there is no so there is no four year president that fixes what we're going through right now. It is a thirty year march to raise the next generation to understand how precious and how how easily the system can be taken from us. It is a thirty year march. It is not a four year campaign. Tim? Yeah, it, well, I'm into that. Um, well, because that's what the left did to us. They did a 30-year march through, through the institutions, and now everything's liberal. You know, people always wonder the media, the, you know, education, everything. That's what they did. They 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 run the long game, and so I, I couldn't agree more, you know, with Adam. We need to run the long game as well and be smart, be strategic. But, yeah, I mean, I just think they've been, um, you know, looking to – uh, 
come after the Patriots as well. I think we are the last sort of, you know, remnants of true America of our founding fathers. And that's a threat. The globalists or, you know, whatever you want to call them, the people that the establishment, the swamp, they just want people that lie down, you know, take all this crap. Don't say anything. Don't protest. And, you know, don't are afraid, afraid to say the truth. And, you know, that's, you know, like Adam said, the America first coalition, the Trump supporters, whatever you want to call us, the Patriots, we are not going to take that crap at all. We're going to stand up for the truth. And that's what we did that day. Peacefully, by the way, peacefully, most of us. And that is so frightening to them. That is terrifying because if they have, you know, the American revolution, I think was like 3% of the population, but it was, you know, people that had morals and integrity and they really believed in something and they were willing to die for it. So um, I, I just think that, you know, you've, you've seen them demonizing the nuclear family, um, Americans that that want to bring, you know, these Christian traditional values or, or whatever you would call them. Um, they just don't like that. They they, they want to bring in foreigners. They want, I don't know, they, because that that's how they profit off people. They profit off people that that just don't question anything and do what they're told and eat eat their McDonald's and watch their Black Little Mermaid or whatever. And um, I mean. That's sort of my theory behind it, but um, I don't know. Well, that's why it's important for you and I to keep speaking is because if they can if they can defeat us, right, who are basically the vanguard of this movement, then who else is going to stop talking? I, right. I didn't I didn't go to prison because what I did is so egregious. I went to prison. My judge said this is because it looked like I was enjoying what was going on. And he <laughs> he said yeah. that I made a mockery of the system. And in my heart, I know I didn't make a mockery of the system. The system is making a mockery of itself, and I'm just pointing out the joke. That's right. Absolutely. You know, Adam, I think you're actually I, – I, I think you're better at this than Tim. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm ready to retire. He can, <laughs> He's got flair, life. though. He's got flair. No, he <laughs> does fun. have flair, and, you know, at least – his mullet at least has some sense to it. You know, I, you are, this thing on your head, you, you, you know, we're going to have to discuss it off camera because you've got tremendous I'll, I'll get potential. Him in touch. I'll get him in touch with my stylist. No worries. <laughs> oh, my wife would be so pissed. She loves my hair. So are, are you regular? Like, so do you frequently Adam go, uh, uh, you know, on, on, um, Tim's uh, show is—is is that the deal? Do you guys hang out again in, in the streams, or you just uh, breaking each other's chops, uh, you know, on Twitter? Is that how? You, are, you, are you a thing, the two of you? We're we're developing our relationship. I think it's got the uh, the legs to go the distance. Yeah. No. This, well, this is actually the first time like we're talking like this over oh, really? voice. So this is an exclusive. But yeah, oh, okay. we we've just been messaging on Twitter, and we do plan on. Um, you know, meeting in person soon. So, um, oh, so I'm really that's great. So I'm I'm yeah. I have a gigantic role in it. Maybe I get my Wikipedia this. page back. You yeah. are the catalyst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I was very quiet on socials for a long time. Um, I only got a year of supervised release. Sorry about your luck, Tim. Um, and we were applying to end the supervised release early at six months. I had done my 200 hours of community service. I paid my $5,000 fine. I took so many drug tests, even though it's non-drug events. <laughs> and um, we got to six months and they denied me. 
And half the reason we were trying to be done at six months is I'm trying to go back to college. I have one semester left and USF, um, where, where I go to school, I have a 3.9 GPA. They denied me entry back into college because they said I am on a supervised release. So went to the government saying, hey, can I please be done? I did everything. I've already been on pretrial for like a year and a half. You sent me to prison. I paid my fine, fell on my sword. Can I be done now? And they said, no, they don't think that I'm actually sorry for what I did. So at this point, you may as well not be sorry. Well, that's why I'm talking now. That's why I'm on Twitter, because what else can you do? Wow. I guess throw me in prison again, but I've got love in my life, man. Um, I'm still married to the woman of my dreams. We're going on 12 years married. Uh, my sons are happy. I'm, I'm raising great men. And it behooves me to stay strong and smile and not be broken for them. So a lot of my drive is pushed by, I have a responsibility that's that's greater than myself to them. So I have to. No, people ask me the same thing too. They're like, why are you so happy? You should be sad. And it's like, you know, going to federal prison and especially being thrown in the hole, which is 24 hours a day, you're in a cell, eight by eight, you can't leave. You can only shower three times a week and you have to be handcuffed on the way to the shower. Yes. They treat you like absolute animals. It's terrible. But I got to tell I I my ego died in there and I was reborn uh, through God. And so, you know, that it, I'm glad that it happened because I have such a perspective on life now. I'm so grateful to be alive and to have, you know, my mom and dad visited me every week from Alaska and prayed with me and cried with me. And just, I realized how much I love them and how much I appreciate them. And my, like, I had a Selly Solomon uh, who his family lived one mile away and they never visited him oh, a single God. time. He never got a letter. He never got commissary. And he even told me, he said, you know, I've been rebuilding relationships with my sisters who I haven't talked to in 10 years. Um, I have six sisters, which is crazy. And, you know, Solomon said, please fix your relationships. It's not too late. You don't want to end up like me. And I just like, you know, that just broke me. And so I guess what keeps me happy is my relationship with God, my my family, and just mm -hmm. that attitude of gratefulness. Like, we have it so much better than a lot of other people. E even though we have gone through a lot, we have a lot to be grateful for. And um, in Coleman, I don't know how it was down in Miami, but they had us on COVID lockdown the whole time. So they actually only were allowed to have, I think it was five visitors for the entire camp every weekend. That's all. And I decided to not have my family visit me at all. I was like, these guys have been in here for two years. And during COVID, there was no visitation whatsoever. So wow. I told my wife, like, don't, don't take up one of these spaces. I'll see you in a couple of months. But these people need to see their families. Oh, I, still, wow. I still talk to a handful of them. We send books to them every month because what they're going through is it's something that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Maybe a pedophile or two, but, you know, it's not terrible. my worst enemy. Yeah, and, and, and that's what people don't understand, too, is that Mo, you know, I was in a low, he was in a camp. So these are all nonviolent offenses. This is like immigration or they sold some weed or, you know, Nail fraud. Yeah. You know, yeah, fraud. But it's like going to prison is the punishment, but not to the COs there. They they want to torture you like like, no, prison isn't enough. Being separated from your family isn't enough and getting terrible food and being locked up. No, then. They got to torture you and make your life a living hell. And that's what they do in our federal system. You know, the FBI with all their integrity, it's a joke. It's so corrupt. You have the COs funneling, funneling in drugs and phones and contraband. It is so corrupt. It is so yeah. terrible. 
if people could see what was going on in our country against Americans who committed nonviolent yeah. crimes, they would be astonished. It is insane. I could tell you, um, and I'll, I know you guys got to go and stuff, but when I was there, they had us in COVID lockdown for like two or three weeks. So we couldn't leave our units. They would bring us food. Like you really, you literally couldn't leave your unit. So um, I, we, we check our emails and the low in the medium, both still had rec time. They were just punishing the camp and the warden had signed off on, we can have rec time again. So I'm sitting here in my bunk one day. <clears throat> and I think this is when I got my, I'm just done with everything. I go outside and they, you know, my, my buddies, they're like, dude, they're going to throw you in the shoe. You're going to be nice. So they're going to take you the rest of the time. Like, don't mess around with these people. And I said, look, I don't care. Like I'm, I'm already, I'm already in prison. I refuse to not be free. So I walk outside to the rec yard. I start doing a couple of laps and you can just see everyone from the windows looking out, like they're going to come get them within two or three minutes. Three more people came out within 10 to 20 minutes. The whole yard was full. Do you know who got punished? Not a single person. Not a single person was taking the shoe. Not a single person was taking isolation because sometimes it just takes one person standing up and saying, I will not abide. The, these are terrible people. They're terrible people. They hate people who disagree with them. They have incredible contempt for the people whose lives are the raw material of their careers. And it is, uh, and, and I had this discussion a while back with a uh, friend of mine who comes out of the wall out of wall street and he says the contempt that these people have for the lives that they gr grind underfoot is you, you it has to be heard to be believed yes this is, what this is really all about so if, if you there as you say there isn't really much sense in trying to demonstrate that you'll be a good boy you'll you'll get no credit for it and you may as well speak out and, and make your voice heard so here absolutely we are. Absolutely. And I'm not going to stop either. Um, I have a pretty big meeting this weekend. I can't talk about it now, but um, some some fun stuff is happening. I hope I can post it when ah. I when I get back on. But it's going to be good. Um, I do things that really upset my uh, my PO. I don't care. I build many lecterns and give them to people who are taking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got one right here. Actually, they're great. I'll That's show you for, here for me. Yes. Oh, exactly. wow. So. <laughs> Yeah, you got to send one to Ron. That's oh, beautiful. take a stand. <laughs> yeah. Good. That is good. My you PO must... came to visit a week ago, and she comes in and she asks me, what are you doing with your time? I was like, oh, I'm building lecterns. And the, the look on her face. <laughs> oh, man, you should definitely be you, – you, you could sell those for sure. I can't, actually. Uh, part of my plea deal is I can't profit for five years off of my likeness, anything January 6th related, even my name. I cannot wow. profit off of. So I'm down to like three and a half years, but honestly, well, I don't care. I consider these things to be a contribution, a donation to culture warriors who are fighting the good fight and anything I can do to poke the bear without getting mauled. Gentlemen, it has been an incredible simulation of reality having you on, <laughs> on the program today. Uh, it was indeed a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, Tim, you sound great. I, I'm a guy, I mean, compared to, you you really sounded broken last time we spoke, yeah. and I wasn't you know I, I couldn't offer you any 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 useful advice. Twitter was really uh, hopeless, and uh, YouTube was and remains hopeless. But you've paid your incredible debt to society, your phenomenal debt to all the damage you have done to society. <laughs>
I'm surprised that you didn't get, frankly, more of the book thrown at you, considering the role you did have in the Ray Epps piece. Right. Well, the the reason why is because the Ray Epps story didn't break until Uh, a year later. Yeah. Like, er, it it was kind of, it was on my social medias, but it was like DLive. But um, a year later, Thomas Massey played it in Congress and it, boom, just blew open overnight. And I was like, thank you. Fight, you know, and and you wonder, like, if I had YouTube and Twitter, you know, maybe it would have just went viral off my social media. It probably would have. But, you know, that's what deplatforming does to you. So it does to you and does to the rest of us. Right. And I don't you know, and so far, so far, for all practical purposes, podcasts have avoided that fate. Uh, I don't think I'm even in the top 10 percent of ones that scare them. Yeah, but I think people have fun watching this. I had fun doing it. Adam, super great meeting you, the the lectern guy. Uh, and uh, I'll send you my address for you to send me your uh, my my souvenir lectern. Absolutely, you definitely earned one. <laughs> All right, thank you, guys. Well, well this will be up in a couple of weeks. Jeremy, thanks for everything for recording the show, and uh, we'll be in touch. Catch you later. Hey, thank you for listening to the Coleman Nation podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, please rate it five stars and leave a review. For more information, please visit the show's website at coleman-nation.com. That's coleman-nation.com. Or you can visit my blog at likelihoodofconfusion.com. Join us next time on the Coleman Nation podcast and have a great day.